You are listening to episode 292 on University of Adversity. You, you asked earlier, why do the traffickers do it? They do it for money. As, and as I'm repeating myself, but the second largest source of income for criminal activities, you, you could demotivate them. And this isn't going to stop all trafficking, but it could make a great big dent. Because if you're not making money for it, because your, your money's being seized, uh, it's going to make a dent in the problem. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Hope you guys are doing well today. Today's conversation was pretty deep and we went, we talked about something that I've wanted to talk about on here for a while and that's human trafficking. Um, this is a topic that is really, to me, probably the most important thing going on in the world right now, but you don't hear much about it, which really is quite odd if you ask me. But nonetheless, we had a chat about it and um, my next guest is the founder of what's called win this fight stop human trafficking and she puts a lot of time into fundraising for this company to help bring awareness to human trafficking and how it all works so we kind of broke it down really basic i asked some questions about it just for people that may be listening that don't know much about human trafficking and the sex trafficking and all that it's 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 absolutely terrible and it's sickening and disgusting what goes on um, but it's important to have awareness um, the first time that I heard about this, about these kind of companies, um, building awareness and raising money and, and rescuing these kids is a company called underground railroad, which I heard first at the Tony Robbins event, but then there's also Tim Ballard who, um, I believe he's the CEO, the owner of that company, the founder. So they've been helping, you know, bring a lot of justice to this and, and rescuing a lot of kids and a lot of people from this terrible, these terrible conditions. So really um it, it's a really sensitive topic and um anytime i can bring shine some light on this it's it's really important so my guest today her name is mitzi purdue uh, she is the daughter of um, the business titan who who founded the sheraton hotel chain so it's pretty amazing to be speaking with her and her her husband brought the purdue chicken company from no employees to 20,000 at the time of his passing. So she's also an author. She wrote a book, How to Be Up in Down Times, with uh, New York Times bestselling author Mark Victor Hansen, who wrote, was co authored with uh, Jack Canfield. Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen have both been on the show and they both wrote Chicken, New Chicken Soup for the, for the Soul. So um, and Mitzi got to write a book with, uh, with Mark. So it's pretty cool. And yeah, we had an awesome conversation. So, you know, if you're sensitive to certain things, maybe this episode isn't the one to listen to, but it's definitely, I think it's time that we bring awareness to this. And if you do feel called to help or donate to this cause, make sure you follow and check out Mitzi. She gives all the information in the show notes. Here we go, Mitzi. Welcome to University of Adversity. Thank you so much for coming on. 
What a huge pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, as we were talking about before, just before we hit record, um, there's, you know, something that was brought to my attention this year. Well, in 2020, I forget it's 2021 now, that I wasn't fully aware of that I've kind of heard about, you know, but it wasn't until it, it was brought to light, you know, by, you know, some other people, Tim Ballard and some other people that are doing this work with human trafficking. And this is, this is something that I've heard about, you know, with Tony Robbins and Underground Railroad and, but it wasn't something that really was brought to light in my consciousness as, as much as it was until, you know, this year. So, now I've kind of really started to learn more about it. And it's, it's really, to me, the most important conversation that should be happening in the world right now. Well, like, that's certainly how I look at it. And in my case, uh, I'm going to pull rank on you. I'm a year ahead of you in, in becoming really aware of it because my life changed at two o'clock on April 11th of 2019 when I heard somebody who's actually a pretty good friend of the Underground Railroad guys, we're talking Paul Hutchinson. And I heard a lecture that included videos and the video was about rescuing children. I think it was in Colombia or Ecuador, somewhere in part of South America. And this was a rescue in which they videotaped the girls before they're rescued. These are, I'm gonna guess they're 10 to 12 years old and what I said that my life changed at two o'clock in that day. And what happened is I saw the faces of these little girls and learned that they were being, how about forced to have sex with strangers 12 times a night, 20 times a night? That their, their life expectancy was seven years because they were going to die of an, of an overdose or suicide or disease or worst, I think this is worse, organ harvesting. I mean, the, just the total evilness of is hard to grasp. And I felt I couldn't unsee those faces. And I thought, since this is the most evil thing that I've ever heard of, I want to spend the rest of my life doing whatever I can to help prevent it and stop it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I know it's been going on for a long time and yeah, it's it's really it's devastating to know that. I mean, the deeper you go, the more you learn about this stuff and how many countries and how this is going on everywhere. You know, maybe for the for the people that are kind of new to this and just maybe hearing about this a little bit for the first time, walk us through. You know, like what what are some of the like what what have you heard and like how does this work like why would somebody do this why would somebody traffic another person like what would be the benefit of that well it's a 150 billion dollar year industry it's the second largest source of income for organized crime only drugs are, are higher and you know when 2 years ago it was the third biggest source of revenue for organized crime uh, it, but it's now it's now surpassed illegal weapons. Wow. So why do they go into it? And this happens to be of extreme interest to me because the reason they go into it happens to be their Achilles heel for how we might stop it. If you're, you know, hypothetically, 
supposing that you are a trafficker in New York City and you have four girls in your stable, you can have an income of a million dollars a year tax-free and you don't have to do you don't have to do anything to have that money just flowing in other than enslave four girls. And by the way, it could be boys. Uh, I think I've read that 95% of the sex trafficking is female, but there's certainly boys are part of it as well. Wow. So, so you asked about what would make them go into it. I think number one is it's incredibly lucrative. Mm. It's, but I call it the evil equation where here's, here's what perpetuates it. Extraordinary profits. I mean, how, ma how many young people can get a million dollars a year tax-free mm. for rather little effort? I mean, they're just, if, if, if you're a trafficker, you're just, you know, you're just letting the money roll in without that much effort. You're, you're simply a parasite on the four girls that you're, that you're running. Mm. So extraordinary profits, but what are your, offer, your chances of paying a penalty for this, like jail time? And the international statistics seems to be that here you are making four people's lives misery beyond imagination. Your chances of doing jail time are way less than one in a hundred. So the evil equation is huge profits, no punishment, equals unimaginable suffering. Why is there no, like, why is this, why is that? How is that not, how is there not, it just doesn't, it, that blows my mind. All right, I've talked with, I make a point of talking with law enforcement wherever I go. And the, the story is over and over again the same. And that is, say, well, what I'm saying is probably not going to count for you know, a super world capital like New York City, although it has, you know, it's a huge destination for human trafficking. But for a lot of like mid-sized cities, smaller ones, they are stretched as thin as they can, meeting their day-to-day -day responsibilities like murder, rape, arson. You know, they've, they, they've, they, they don't it would typically, they wouldn't have the budget to go after this. Mm. And then on top of that, the traffickers are just extraordinarily skilled at evading them. They're, they're very, very good at, say you've had a girl in a particular mid-sized town for a week. And by that time, maybe some neighbors have noticed, maybe somebody is gonna start closing in on you, you move to another city. And what can, the, what can law enforcement do I mean, they could if they had an infinite budget and plenty of time, but mm. very often they don't. So one of the things that, that I'm really grateful to you for having this show is the more people recognize that law enforcement needs a budget to cope with this kind of thing, the less trafficking there will be. I mean, because can you imagine any category of crime where your odds of, of doing time for it are less than one in a hundred? Yeah, it just it doesn't but, make any sense. But but I can I can I can tell you some other reasons why why they're not likely to do time, and one of them is it's extraordinarily hard to get a girl to testify against her trafficker, 
because he probably has, you know, he's, he's beaten her down psychologically so much that, you know, she may feel she deserves this. She may be just so hopeless, but possibly the biggest thing of all is she's so scared of her trafficker that, well, I'll give you an example. And uh, a man in law enforcement, a policeman in, in New York City told me this. He visited a girl in the hospital whose, whose trafficker, and another word for this might be pimp, but whose trafficker had a bottle of beer, a glass bottle of beer. He whacked it off on the sidewalk so that now he's got a nice sharp weapon. And his girl had tried to escape from him. He grabbed her by the, by the arm and with his other hand, he took the beer, you know, the, the jagged broken glass beer bottle and slashed her face from her ear to her chin. She's in the hospital. She has, I think it was like 32 stitches. Mm. And the policeman I was talking with, you know, he wanted more than anything in the world to get this, get to get the girl to testify against her trafficker. Mm. And, you know, he's had, I think he's had like more than a decade of experience talking in a trauma-informed way, you know, sympathetic, kind, non-judgmental, protective, using all the skills that he, that at his, you know, from his, his knowledge and his experience, he still couldn't get the girl to talk. She was so terrified of what he could do to her or her family that, you know, she could have named him, she could have told what he did, wouldn't do it. And when she left the hospital, the policeman got to see that she walked right, you know, onto the street where the, where her trafficker was waiting for her and took her away. I mean, they, they have ways of keeping you, if, you're, if you've been trafficked, from testifying against them. Scary. What other ways other than like sex trafficking do this, does this happen? Because I've, I've heard Tim Ballard talk about it, but I'd love to go into like the other ways because I know it can show up ways other than, you know, from the sex, the sex trade. Yeah, there, the United Nations does a lot of or has a lot of statistics on this, and I'll quote them. There are more than 40 million people who are trafficked, but it's um, 8 million of them are sex trafficked. And of that 8 million, 1 million are children. But that means, let's see if I can do math in my head, uh, 8 minus, there are 32 million people who are in other forms of, of trafficking. And labor trafficking is, uh, how about the most common? And it's, it's, yeah, the evil of that. I, I mean, I think sex trafficking is the worst that I can wrap my mind around. But I was talking with a guy, his name's Kevin Bales, and he's from the University of Nottingham in England. And his specialty is learning whatever we can academically. And because that's, you know, how he's devoting the rest of his life, but in an academic way, as he writes academic papers and he, you know, the knowledge that he has, he diffuses throughout the world. But he was telling me that, for example, that in the Amazon or in other areas where there are large ancient forests, that the United Nations says, you know, these, this is, you know, a, a global treasure. Nobody should log there. But the terrible thing happens you know, over and over again, he told me, is that once the United Nations says this is like the equivalent of a nature preserve, okay, the loggers go out, but the illegal loggers take their place. 
And the illegal loggers, they're, they're a thousand times worse than the legal uh, loggers because they, they, they're perfectly content with clear cutting. They, they, yeah, they, there's absolutely nothing that holds them back to be ecological about the clear cutting that they're doing. I mean, they don't leave seed trees. They, 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 they effectively you know, turn forests into future deserts. But almost the worst part of this is they have the loggers that the, that the illegal loggers are using are human slaves. And the loggers don't want the human slaves, you know, who have no safety protections or anything else. They don't want them to go out and testify against the traffickers. So after they've clear cut a place, the slaves dig their own graves and then they're shot and they're buried in shallow graves. And uh, Dr. Bales has seen those graves. So, so the horror of being trafficked, I mean, in my own opinion, as a woman, uh, it, it feels to me as if being continuously raped is worse. But, or, or another example that he gave me in, there are mines, and I'm going to assume that this happens all over, but he was talking about in Africa, uh, pretty much Central Africa was what he was talking about. But if you're a slave in the mines, now they use some really nasty chemicals to like dissolve and get out whatever, whatever they're mining. I mean, supposing it's gold, it might be that you're working in a mine and there's no safety considerations of any sort. Professor Bales told me that the life expectancy of a miner is a year. And wow. what's going to take them is, you know, maybe a mine accident or they're dealing with such horrible chemicals and with no protection, they are going to die within a year. That is very few people would live longer than that. I mean, just can you can you even imagine yeah. the, the horror that human beings are doing this to yeah, each other? That's crazy. And to think about people being kidnapped and then organs and organs being harvested as well as another thing, just like tr treating fellow man, fellow woman like that. It's just like, it's so horrendous. Like it's sick. Well, I was asking a woman, she's uh, her specialty, you know, God bless her because I don't think many people would go into her area of service, but She's a psychotherapist, and within that, she deals with people who are suicidal. And within that specialty, she deals with, uh, with women who have been trafficked but who've escaped. But now they're so depressed by what they've seen that they become suicidal. Well, this has a happy story because she, she has the tools to encourage people and, and turn them from, oh, I want to die, to, hey, Life has got something going for it. So, she, yeah, she has the joy and satisfaction of using her skills to turn things around. But I asked her, since, since this is her medical specialty, what's going on with the guy? I suppose it could be a woman, but we're talking guys at this moment. Why, why would another human being want to be the John who is in effect raping this woman, maybe for the 10th time that night. Why does he want to do it? And just out of curiosity, I'm not expecting a yes answer to this, but do you have a clue what would make him do it? And if not, I'll give you the answer. 
Well, he was probably sexually abused or something as well. Yeah, her explanation of it is that in most cases, when he was abused, and supposing he was abused at age 10, at that point, his emotional growth got short-circuited and stopped. So he's still, you know, at the age he's doing to, to others what was done to him, not because he wants to be a mean bad guy, but because his growth, his ability to express his sexual nature isn't going to be with the give and take of, of a loving relationship. No, to him, what he was imprinted on is what was done to him when he was young. And, and by the way, I'm not going to claim that that's true in every case, but she said you know, that is typically what you would expect to, to be what happened to somebody who's doing this. Yeah. Hurt people hurt people. Right. I mean, you know, a lot of, if you, well, that's most cases, people behind these, these things are, were damaged themselves at a young age, you know, or, you know, sexually abused and they have such trauma that, you know, for some reason they, that's what they gravitate towards. And it's, it's really sad. You know, I mean, her view really is that, uh, that that trauma simply short-circuited yeah. the what what would happen to a normal functioning adult who can be in a committed loving relationship, and you know yeah. she's not the only one I asked this. There's another person. His name is Dr. Robert Kenkrow, and he's the former head of the Department of Psychiatry of New York University Medical Center. And I asked him once, you know, a ten-year-old girl just isn't sexy. No. Uh, at least to a normal adult. I mean, she doesn't have any of the secondary sex characteristics. Why would anybody want to have sex with a 10-year-old girl? <clears throat> and Dr. Kankrow's answer, which is just a little bit different from the other answer that I gave you, but I think they can all sort of fit together in different cases. He said that sex has almost nothing to do with it. And yeah, you know, this is shocking to me. So I'm saying, yeah, you know, he, he said, you might imagine that this is a terribly oversexed person. And, and he was saying that, yeah, there's something that's sexual of it, but the biggest part is a damaged person or a psychopath. What motivates a psychopath is domination, manipulation, and control. And you can get a lot more control of a 10 year old than you would of an 18 year old. Mm -hmm. I mean, a 10-year-old woman is just totally defenseless and you've got all the domination, manipulation, and control that you want. On the other case, on the other hand, an 18-year-old, you're not going to be able to dominate, manipulate, and control her to the same extent. And by the way, it gets worse and worse because, I mean, I'm aware of cases where there are two-year-olds that ended up raped. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's just... It's, people... it's just horrifying. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, the amount of suffering. Yeah. But I can offer some hope. Yeah. Would you like the hope? Oh, I would, I would love the hope. I think we would all love the hope. Okay, the organization that I'm part of, Win This Fight, is working to, to put two groups together that might be able to make a huge difference. And to explain, I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you the bottom line and then I'll tell you how we get there. Human trafficking is a $150 billion a year industry, as I've mentioned. That means that they use a lot of banking because you can't barter when you're, 
when you're on that scale. The fact that there is so much money involved means there's an Achilles heel that we can go after, and that is their bank accounts. To explain the hope, let me back up and give a real example, except that I can't give you the real names. 15 years or so ago, there was a very large software company that was just having terrible troubles with pirated software. And the reason that the troubles were so severe was this very large company, it could sell software for say $200. A pirate or a counterfeiter could for the cost of a disc, which was roughly nine cents, could copy it and then sell at, yeah, the the profit was $200, the cost nine cents. And here's the problem that the software company was up against. They'd send one guy to jail and it was so profitable that somebody else would immediately move in on that territory. And it became like whack-a-mole. You you take a few out and more come in. And, and here's the good news part. And it's and in a moment, I'll explain how this applies to human trafficking. Some people whom I know and admire no end, oh, let's call them Peter Smith. Peter Smith, is that's not his real name. And at some point, uh, maybe in the next few months, I can use real names. But Peter Smith went to the very large software company and he said, hey guys, you're doing it all wrong. Hire me and my colleagues, and we're in 47 different countries, by the way. Hire me and my colleagues not to put the, the individual pirates in jail. Eh, don't bother with them. Instead, hire us to use our extraordinary abilities to find to trace illegal money flows. The, the software company said, well, what do you mean? And he said, we have the ability through artificial intelligence, through knowledge of the dark web, through covert action, through big data, we can trace money flows. Say, say somebody, say it's, it's a software pirate or counterfeiter. Yeah, probably they're gonna hide their transactions behind dummy companies that own shares in another, you know, maybe I'm, I'm making this up, but maybe there's one in Lichtenstein that's got a shadow company in the Cayman Islands and they're hiding uh, behind Monaco. You know, it's, it, it takes some real doing to trace these, but we have the capability to do this and we will find the money flows from the pirates and we'll trace them back to their bank accounts and we will give absolutely irrefutable proof to the bankers <clears throat> that you're dealing with hot money. Now, the motivation of the bank is close the account because they, you know, the damage to their reputation or, uh, or fines that can come their way for having hot money, or they can even be shut down. So the banks in every case were willing to freeze the accounts of the, uh, the traffic, sorry, the uh, counterfeiters. And it turned out that the, uh, since the money would be returned to the, or restored to the person or to the entity, to the big software manufacturer, the big software manufacturer found that for every 20 or $30 that they were spending hiring people to find the bank accounts and freeze them, that they were getting 20 to $30 back. And this, of course, is enormously demotivating for the uh, pirates, because supposing you're a pirate and you've been working like crazy selling these things at $200 each, and then your bank account gets frozen and the company that you're pirating from gets your money. And in, in a rather short time, 
they simply shut down the pirates. Okay, now let me let me uh, move this over to human trafficking. Mm. It's you know, of course, it's different, but there's enough in common between sure. how traffickers also have to use banks. And you put one trafficker out of business, another's going to take his place just like that. Uh, but what if you could go after their bank accounts the way the people I've just been describing were going after the counterfeiters? And they believe it could be done. They actually have an international group, and I think it has like 200 members. And I got to address their, uh, their, their, one of their quarterly meetings. And I was discussing with them, could you go after human traffickers the same way you went after software pirates? And they liked the idea. However, uh, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have a huge backlog of, of information on traffickers. I mean, they'd have to be coming to it fresh. So I suggested that they work with what I believe is the largest anti-trafficking organization in the United States. And, you know, again, in a couple of months, I can say the name, but right now I know that they're act actively like negotiating with each other, figuring out how they'll work together. But if it's not the largest in the United States, it's got to be in the top two or three. And they have just phenomenal amounts of, of knowledge and, and you know, if you could put the people with the huge data banks together with the people with the dark web, web expertise of tracing money flows, you could, you could, I think, make a huge dent in trafficking because you, you asked earlier, why do the traffickers do it? They do it for money. As, and as I'm repeating myself, but the second largest source of income for, for criminal activities. But you you could demotivate them, and this isn't going to this isn't going to stop all trafficking, but it could make a great big dent because if you're not making money for it, because your your money's being seized, uh, it's going to make a dent in the problem. So win this fight, stop human trafficking. Is that what your that's your your t tell us about that and how that ties in? Okay, I got in. I want. I didn't even initially intend to start an organization, but. People were making donations to it, and particularly if tangible property like jewelry or silver or valuable antiques, and I wanted to be tax deductible, so I ended up having a uh, a creating a foundation, and uh, because I'm a public speaker, and also because once a week I write blogs on what other anti-trafficking organizations are doing. I end up you know, meeting a lot of people and say if I'm writing a blog on, I'll just pick a name out of the air, Polaris, an organization I adore. Uh, if I'm writing a blog post on them, that means I've, I've talked to some of their officials. I know what their problems are. I know what their approach is. Maybe I've visited their headquarters. And once a week, um, I produce a blog. And that means that I hear the capabilities of, of lots of different people. So when I heard about the, uh, the group that, is, that specializes in, in tracking money flows, and I'm thinking, boy, they and, and Organization X, they, they have such complementary needs. And I suggested that they meet. And they've been having, you know, I've been present on 
on Zoom calls where they discuss how you know each of them has a piece of the puzzle and maybe they can put it together and create something amazing. How does somebody how does somebody donate to that? Well, we can put that in the show notes. Oh, I'd love it if you would. Because oh, sure. all right, because that I'm about raising money and awareness for other anti-trafficking organizations. But if if you care about anti-trafficking, I can give you a really easy, inexpensive, fun way of helping raise awareness. And I am putting on my head right now a red bandana. Mm. And this is what we have about 500 volunteers. One of the volunteers said, wouldn't it be neat if to raise awareness of human trafficking, we copied the Rosie the Riveter uh, campaign from World War II. And that's about 75 years ago that Rosie the Riveter came on the scene. And what Rosie the Riveter was famous for was encouraging women to come out of the house and work in the factories and make it possible for men to go defeat Nazism. Well, what if, it, what if we had a 21st version of Rosie the Riveter and it would be Rosie the Liberator? And because uh, since we care about men as well as women, the male part of it would be Rusty the Liberator. And here's what I'm asking people to do. And in a moment, I'm going to ask, I'm going to give a, uh, well, I'll tell you what it is. Text WTF to 51555. And I'll explain that more in a second. But if you do that, and if you'll take a selfie of a Rosie the Riveter pose, and you don't need the bandana, although it's kind of fun if you do and some people use blue bandanas or yeah but the the big cool. part is rosie the riveter made a muscle mm. and and she looked kind of tough well i want rosie the live i want 21st century versions of rosie the liberator to you know take a pose like that with a selfie and you know, don't spend more than two or three minutes in it i mean you don't have to pose a lot i don't care what the background is i just care that you're making a muscle and looking at your fist mm. post it on your social media along with the hashtag win this fight and i'd also oh and i'd also like you if you're going to participate in this which i dearly hope you will to help magnify it ask two of your friends to do the same thing and then donate five dollars to the anti-trafficking organization of your choice so if you know of an anti-trafficking anti organization send them five bucks and ask them to get their members to do Rosie the Liberator and, and donate more money. However, if, if you're new to this and you're not part of an anti-trafficking organization, first of all, post it on, on social media, but then come to my website and, and here's what you'll get. You'll get to see really cool things that other photographs that other people have taken. Like, like one person has her dog with a Rosie uh, bandana. Uh, other people, uh, oh, they're just so cool. One woman, I, I think she must be an actress and a makeup artist, but she made it look as if she really was Rosie the Liberator. We're asking artists to make drawings of Rosie the Liberator or paintings or modern art that somehow moves you. And uh, you'll, if, if you'll come there, there, there are two benefits, well, there are three benefits. The first benefit is you'll get to see what other people are doing. And it's kind of fun. I mean, I love seeing uh, like an African-American woman. She looks so great. Uh, a woman from Pakistan, a woman from India, uh, 
it's, it's as if different nations interpret this. And yeah, so I think you'll find it entertaining to, to look at the different pictures. Then another thing is, if you donate $5 to win this fight, and there's just a very easy little button you can press to get there, assuming you use PayPal, uh, you'll get a free copy of a book I wrote called 52 Ways to Combat Human Trafficking. You'll just get a, an ebook of it at, at the point where you, where you donate $5. And then the final and best thing is, if you want to do something more about human trafficking, I'll make a promise to you. Whatever your skill set is, or your interest or your passion, I will do everything that I can to match the jobs that you're given uh, to what your interest availability is. And yet there's, I think there are hundreds of different things that need to be done to spread this. And the people who've been part of it tell me that this is just among the most satisfying things they do in the world, because I think most people want to leave the world a better place. And here's a way of attacking the worst problem, the ugliest, most tragic, evil scourge that, that exists in the face of the earth today. You can do something about it. You can make, you know, even a small difference makes an enormous difference. And you'll be part of a group that is together. You know, we egg each other on. We're a team. And I'd love to have you be part of that at whatever level you want. Wow, that's awesome. That's, that's great to build. I mean, that's where it starts, right? It's the awareness, right? From, you know, conversations about it and, you know, being able to go and um, actually take action because a lot of people don't know how. So that's awesome. You know, yeah, that- I, will provide, I will provide anybody who contacts me. Sure. And the way to contact me is to go to winthisfight.org. Or if, uh, if you have a smartphone handy, and I, I would ask a guess from you, how many people do you think are really familiar with texting, uh, texting uh, short codes and keywords? Oh, uh, I, mean, I can explain it right now if you think they, that not everybody knows. Oh, I'm not sure. I, I haven't really discussed it, but sure, if you'd like. Okay. Uh, if you're not, yeah, this is, uh, probably everybody your age does know how to do this, but, but I want people at every age, including retirees, because, uh, you know, it's fabulous. The, the skills that somebody who's retired has both skills and contacts and time, mm. and I can help make retirement time really exciting and f- fulfilling. But Somebody retired probably doesn't have the same fluency with using uh, short codes and, and, and keywords. So I'll explain it right now for if there's anybody elderly. Uh, what you do is you go to the message part of your, of your smartphone. And then when you call up a new message, there will be a place where it says two, you know, and in, in the past, if you've used this, you might have put in a name or a phone number, but this is a short code, which is different. A short code is five numbers. And in my case, my short code is 51555. And gee, I hope you're writing it down because I think it's kind of hard to remember, but 51555. And then in the message part of your of your uh of, of your message. You don't have to write a great big long message. Just write WT 
F. And when you do that, that will take you to my website oh, and wow. it will give you, it will give you the ability to, uh, to donate or to choose to volunteer or what I'd particularly love for you to do is sign up for my blog. Because if you sign up for my blog, uh, you'll, you'll hear what other anti-trafficking organizations are doing. And some of them are just amazingly clever, smart, effective, heartfelt. Mm. Uh, you'll learn inside information about the psychology of people who are victims or who are perpetrators. Mm. Uh, you'll learn some, some of the economics that goes on behind this. You'll learn, uh, you'll meet some people who are just so extraordinarily giving and caring and effective I think you'll find it inspirational. Mm. Oh, it's great. I've never, I've never done that before, but that's awesome. We'll have all the information in the show notes to do that for sure. That's, okay. But you now in my experience, a lot of people don't know yeah, about no, your smartphone because Appreciate I, it. I don't know how recent short codes have been. I, I don't mean, even uh, know. I've never used it. <laughs> yay. Okay. Well, normally I learned this recently myself, but, even your regular uh, phone number is, I was surprised by this, but it's a code, mm. but it's, it's called a long code. The short code is, how, how many digits are in a long code? Let's see, three and three and three ten? and four. Yeah, it's, it's, 10 sounds right. With but this is five. Okay. Uh, yeah, including the area code. But the short code is only five, so it's easier to remember. And somehow they figured out how to be able to make this happen. And, uh, you know, I've asked people to text WTF, and we all know what WTF yeah. stands for, right? There, there, there's, there's a little bit of a story about how that name came about. Because initially, I was calling my, the foundation. It never got to this, but I was going to call it the anti-trafficking auction because I was... I had the ability of uh, converting tangible property like jewelry into cash. So it was through an auction. Well, it was going to be the anti-trafficking auction, but yeah, like a couple of weeks into it, I got this phone call from a guy whom I now adore named Terry Wu. Terry Wu is a neuroscientist and he's also a neuromarketer, which means that he knows a lot about what makes us remember things and what makes us act. Well, he said, Mitzi, you know, the name that you've chosen, it really sucks. And I said, why? And he said, and he was right. He said, because global anti-trafficking auction isn't memorable mm -hmm. and there's no call to action oh. and, and it's, it's too long. And so he did this wonderful thing. I mean, he's, he's I would say one of our prize volunteers he went to register.com where you can find out if, if domain names are available and he found winthisfight.org. And he said what's, why that's a good name from a neuroscience point of view is there's a call to action. Uh, it's short enough so that you, uh, when this fight kind of can roll off the tongue, but he said the very best part of it is the initials WTF because yeah, he sure. said, well, he said, if you want something to be memorable, really helps if there's some wrongness to it. Mm -hmm. And the wrongness here is that um, 
you know, for me, I'm, I'm a 79-year-old great-grandmother and in theory somewhat ladylike, and here I am telling people to text WTF to 51555. You know, it, it's incongruous, and he said, that's jarring, and that helps people remember it. I wanted to kind of switch gears here. I know we're running out of time, but I would love to touch on it as well, is that you wrote a book with uh, former guest Mark Victor Hansen, who wrote you know, co-author of Chicken, New- Chicken Soup for the Soul with Jack Canfield, who's also been on the show. Um, really? And- wow. Yeah, yeah. They've both been on. And it's called How to Be Up in Down Times. It's right in front of me there. I'm like reading yeah, it. Tell me, is this mirror reading or have I got it right? No, it's right. Because right. it reads on my screen as if it's backwards. But yeah, I know. As long no, as you- it's fine on this side. Yay. Uh, yes. It was one of the great honors of my life because Mark Victor Hansen supports Win This Fight. I mean, he's been a supporter right from the beginning. And, you know, I'd frequently talk to him about human trafficking. But back a year ago, just about a year ago, when when COVID-19 was being part of our awareness, we got to talking about how, you know, this is really a pandemic. That's really going to take a toll on people. And... I, you don't know this about me, but I'm a health writer and a science writer. This is what I did most of my life. Well, I suggested to Mark Victor Hansen, I said, you know, you're one of the most inspirational people on the planet. You've sold half a billion books. I mean, you're almost like the minister to the world. You have the ability to help people through a really difficult time. And then I said, and I, as a science writer, know a lot of things that really work that aren't generally known. And yeah, what if we combined my knowledge of science, your knowledge of the spiritual uh, side of things, and then his, his stepson, who I, I, if you haven't had him on, you should have him on, Preston Weeks. He knows everything in the world. Well, I'm exaggerating, but he knows a very great deal about physical fitness. Mm-hmm. So what if we got mod body, mind, and spirit together in one book. And Mark loved the idea. And there were you know, a couple of weeks of 18-hour days. And you know, in like three weeks, we had it in print and available on Amazon. Yay. Oh, amazing. What a good time to do it. I mean, a lot of people are suffering, don't have the tools to get through these, these challenging times, right? So, Right. And I'll, I'll, I'll give one tip for right now. Sure. Uh, and it's, it's, it is so practical and, and it's extremely well studied. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue with the science behind what I'm about to say. But in times of, of super stress, which this is, I mean, I don't care whether, where the stress comes from. I mean, maybe somebody that you love is very ill or, you know, terribly common. You're, you're worried. How are you going to? How are you going to pay your rent? What's going to happen to your job? And, you know, that's, you know, that's, these are just so big and so stressful. Mm. So here's one of the pieces of advice from the book. It was one of the very early chapters. It is medically necessary for you to do something to give yourself respite every single day. And by respite, I mean something where you can immerse yourself in something else. So you're not thinking about the things that are, eating you alive. And I'll, I'll give you an example of, the, of some of the things that people tell me they do. And I'll share what I do. Uh, if you're a James Bond fan, 
watch James Bond movies. Just something that, you know, if, if you're worried about Jaws is about to rip the girl's throat out, <laughs> you know, you're, it, it's a different kind of, uh, you're not thinking about your own problems at that point. But uh, maybe, maybe more, maybe you, I know one person who loves to play the flute. Uh, I know another who says playing, playing with her grandchildren or having a happy hour with her friends. But the advice that I have for you is don't feel that you're being self-indulgent. No, it is medically necessary and I'll explain why. And by the way, I, d I don't know what works for each person. I mean, each person knows what, what respite or escape is. I mean, what's yours? Is it, is it reading a good book? Is it listening to somebody else's podcast? Uh, is it playing with, I don't know, nephews or something? What, what, what for you makes you, at least for an hour a day, able to forget the stresses that are eating you alive? It's mm, a great question. I would say um, I like to sweat and move my body. You know, Perfect. Like when, oh, I, I, when I, I exert myself in a hard way and I sweat, that is that it's life changing for me. Well, okay. Speaking as a science writer and a health writer, um, you get my vote for the absolute best answer to my question, <laughs> because here's why it's medically necessary to to have something that takes you away, you know, in one way or another from the stresses that. that that are cascading down on all of us because of the pandemic. And it has to do with stress hormones. Your body is, is very good, finely tuned to be able to be on the savannah running away from a saber-toothed tiger because that is, you know, mobilizes all your abilities and, and then when it's over, it's over. But nature didn't expect you to have months and months and months of your, your system just being bathed in, in stress hormones. And stress hormones, I mean, they're really good to get you out of immediate danger, but long-term, if you don't have any respite from it, uh, they mean that you're going to live a, less, a shorter time. I mean, stress that doesn't have any relief is life-shortening. In fact, there have been studies of caregivers of, say, dementia patients, that an extraordinary large number of times the caregiver dies before the patient. This is assuming it's a full-time caregiver and at home. Uh, I, is, I'm, I'm not yeah. talking about at a, at a nursing home, but it, you, it is medically necessary for you to have some circumstance, at least an hour a day, and if it can be a couple of hours a day, even better, where your body isn't just bathed in, in stress hormones without, without relief. Mm. So that's, that's one of the things that, that I recommend. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a bunch that I like to do. I like to meditate. I like to write in my journal, I exercise. Um, if I have the option of doing yoga, I, I find that being able to do those things and, you know, breath work. There's a lot of things that can kind of get me into a different state, but as far as also like being able to escape just to kind of like a guilty pleasure, um, you know, I like listening. I like watching other podcasts on YouTube. Like I like watching, um, but I also, I actually really like listening to comedy podcasts. 
Like I, yeah. I, I enjoy it. I don't, I can't really listen to inspirational ones like mine. I enjoy like getting out of that and, and into something completely different on my off time. Yeah. But, but, but so many of the things that you've mentioned are just perfect because for example, exercising really hard, that actually uses up some of these stress hormones that are, that are bad for you in excess. Mm. So it's, you know, exercise until you sweat. That's perfect. Mm. Yeah. But, but, but I'm in favor of, of whatever works for you, do it. And, and sure. how about it's not a guilty pleasure. It's a medical yeah. necessity. Yeah. I love it. It's a good way to frame it. I, um, I always finish off the a conversation with one, one thing, and it's always around adversity out of all the things that you've gone through in your life, all the challenges, struggles, adversity, what is the one lesson out of the many? But what, are, what is the one lesson that adversity has taught you? Okay, I'm going to focus on the adversity of you failed. To me, one, the biggest thing that I've learned on that kind of adversity, you know, is you fail, maybe you're fired, maybe you uh, put your whole heart into an audition and you failed, or, or you wrote a book and it got turned down. Uh, the biggest lesson that I've learned is pick yourself back up and congratulate yourself because awful as that experience was along the way, you, you probably met people, maybe you took courses, read books, you know more, you made more contacts, and you're ahead of the game just for the fact of having tried. So the adversity of failure, redefine it as a great big roaring explosive success because you put yourself out there and you tried. I love it. That's great. <laughs> Thank you so much. Where, so aside from all the information that we had before about win this fight and the human trafficking, where else can we find you and check out your work, learn more about you? I have my own website and it's mitziperdue.com. And I have a whole lot of articles that I write about life and health and, uh, so if, if they're interested in the human trafficking part, come to winthisfight.org. If they're interested in that I had a life before then, and I still keep it up because I still, like, I just, I'm so happy about it. I just got invited by EarthX to host eight uh, TV shows. Yay! Or eight TV, uh, yeah, pro what do I mean? There, there will be eight half hours on TV. Oh, wow. Uh, and I love that. And then uh, I also write for the uh, Association of Foreign Press Correspondents. So if, oh. if you're interested in public speaking or writing, uh, I've got stuff there. I think we're getting towards 100 uh, podcast uh, appearances on human trafficking. And you can find those just on YouTube. Well, great. That's awesome. We'll have everything linked in the show notes. And I know you got, um, you got a lot to your story. And I mean, there's, we could only cover so much here, but I love, I really appreciate, you know, what we dove into and thank you so much for doing what you're doing because this is, this is really powerful and it means a lot. And I mean, to continue your writing and your knowledge and your wisdom, it's great. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me because, you know, everything that I do depends on having people be aware of human trafficking and mm -hmm. Good Lord, the help that you've given on that. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. If you guys did feel called to take action and help out with this cause, it's really, really important. All the information is in the show notes. Go check out Mitzi's cause. When I saw this, when 
you know, when she was coming on as a guest and I read about it and it, it was is really important. So win this fight, stop human trafficking, any sort of awareness we can bring to this, especially now, we need to get that conversation going. It's the most important thing going on in the world right now. Like, you know, human beings' lives and kids and, and people being taken and kidnapped and sold, it's awful, right? So whatever we can do to help these these people get rescued and, and just bring awareness to it. Also, check out Mindy's book. And if you want to learn more about her, all the information is there as well. If you guys can, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. I'm not sure which platforms allow review these days. I know Apple does. I know I say Apple, but I mean, I'm sure a lot of these platforms have that now. But I do know that you can subscribe to all of them, whatever it's called, subscribe or follow or whatever. So if you are listening to this, please do that so that these download um, automatically to your library so you don't have to think about it. We are available on YouTube as well, everybody, if you don't know by now. Anyways, much love. Signing off from Costa Rica.